0: Hi, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business. What is Mind Your Business? It is a website full of great content and podcasts that come from real world experience, not a bunch of crap you read in a textbook. Listen, folks, this is 30 years of be running businesses, businesses that I started from scratch or that I was hired to help run. This is real world, great nuggets of knowledge. The whole idea of mind your business is for you to build your personal capacity. It's your ability to make an impact in your world, whether it's an organization, whether it's a club, whether it's within your family or anything you do. Can you make an impact? And the answer is yes, but every day you've got to get better. You've got to get stronger. It's just like being an athlete. You you build your muscles, you build your endurance. Well, in business, you build your knowledge, you build your experience, you build your expertise, and then you take that to the marketplace. That is how you build your capacity. Now, who should be listening? There's not a soul out there that can't benefit from this content, but let me tell you, Out of 10 people, everybody's going to get a different nugget out of every piece of content. So when you're listening to this, listen for the stuff that really resonates for you. And then send me a message. Connect with us. Be engaged. Let us know what's working for you and what you need more of. This is going to be a great, great adventure for all of us. And I'm very excited that you're a part of what we're doing. Hi, this is Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business. I'm really excited today because I've got a very special guest. He's special because I've known him very a long time, and he's just a super, super guy. The reason I got to know Billy so well is I traveled with him, he's a salesperson, sales professional within the industry that I work in, and every time I traveled with him, I learned more and more about being a great salesperson. So I'd like to introduce you, all my listening audience, I'm super excited to be able to say that, to a guy named Billy Bindell. Billy is the Corporate Director of Hospice Sales and Services. Billy, Thank you for being with us on Mind Your Business.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Listen, Billy, the reason I want to talk to you today is because I really respect who you are as a sales professional. And so I want to ask you a couple questions. I've got five good questions for you, and I want you to feel free to really you know, be direct with this audience. That's, that's kind of really who we are in this, in this audience. So let me start with, what do you think makes a great sales professional?
1: Well, number one, you know, you got to listen. Listening is key. Listen to the customer's needs. Understand what their needs are and adjust your way of, of selling or what you're selling to them to best fit their needs. Uh, listening is important. Another good important thing to, to always follow is, you know, not every customer is gonna be the same. So you, you have to adjust the way you do things to best fit, uh, best fit their needs. Um, building relationships. Relationships are huge, uh, especially in our industry and really any industry. It doesn't matter if you're selling cars or selling medical supplies. Um, you know, uh, building relationships is is very important.
0: You this know? is kind of funny because you said that, because I know your story. The way you got in this industry is building relationships. You actually, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to diminish the value of your story because it's really important how you started. You started working at a country club and meeting people via the country club. And one of the persons that you build a relationship with said, Hey, I really want to mentor you. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I worked at a country club, uh, going through school. I put myself through school, um, a couple years into it. Parents went through divorce, uh, made the decision that, you know, I'm at school. I'm going to continue with this. And, uh, uh, pay my way through school. So I got two jobs. One of them was working at a very prestigious, uh, private golf course. Uh, I did everything from shining shoes to parking cars, scrubbing clubs. Um, and I did that for three years, was employee of the year, uh, one year, uh, my last year. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the members approached me one day and just said, Billy, what are you, what are you doing after school? You're graduating. What are you <laughs> <Yeah>. doing?
0: <laughs> and you're kind of like, shit, I don't I, know.
1: I, yeah. I said, well, shit, I, I, <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, so he said, well, why don't you come work for me? I said, okay, what do you do? He said, well, I sell Band-Aids and medical supplies. And, and diapers. Stuff. Yeah, yeah I sell diapers. diapers. <laughs> yeah, You come into this world shitting yourself, you're going to leave this world shitting yourself. <laughs> so I said, why not? Uh, so I, I was pretty excited about that. I came down, uh, uh, he, he actually came into the, uh, uh, the locker room one day, a week later, and I approached him and said, hey, uh, Mr. Tanad, is there any way I can get an application from you? He goes, well, I'm glad you approached me and asked. He goes, that that was your first test.
0: Absolutely. Wait a second. Let's time out right there. You know, my next question is how do people screw up being a salesperson? One of the reasons, one of the things I look for is I I purposefully leave something hanging that the other person has to follow up. If they don't follow up, they're never going to make it in sales. If they can't be a little pushy, a little bit driven, a little bit tenacious, a little bit hungry. See, here's the problem with a lot of these people. Oh, I don't want to sell. I want to have a big fancy job. Instead of going into sales, I'm going to go into marketing so I can design products and I can design campaigns and put out billboards. Well, you're never going to do that stuff. You don't have the education to do it. You don't have the time in the industry. You might start out actually boots on the ground selling, and it's a great way of making a living.
1: It is, yeah. Selling's great, you know, and, and uh, you know, <clears throat> we, we started off by asking what are, what are the, you know, what sets, what sets you apart really is, is what's going to make you successful and being a, a good, successful salesperson. Uh, for me personally, it's, it's listening to my customers' needs, uh, knowledge of the industry, understanding the, understanding the industry, following up. That's key. If you, if you have a meeting with a customer today, you should follow up later in the day, tomorrow. But don't be don't be too pushy, you know. Don't don't be that annoying uh, that annoying person uh, following up with them every single day. You you have to follow up uh, in a respectful manner and uh, email, send them a send them a thank you card. Uh, thank you for meeting with me. You know you got to set yourself apart. Um,
0: So, you know, we're going to, I'm going to have you skip over my second question because my second question is what do people do to screw up a sale? And really, you know, you kind of the opposite of everything we're saying, they don't listen. They're too quick to present their own materials instead of listening to what the needs of the client are. And then they don't follow up. But what's really important here is give me that one thing that you found is absolutely your secret to being successful as a sales professional.
1: Always bring something new to the table. Every single one of my meetings that I have quarterly reviews with my customers, I bring something new. Whether it's a cost savings, something little here, little there, new product, something exciting, something that I can bring. If you're just meeting with your customer just to meet with them and shoot the shit, you're getting nothing done. There's, you're wasting their time and you're wasting your own time. You know, you're know, you continuing to build that relationship always, but bring something new. If there's a, if there's a, a new rebated contract that you have with a customer, or a, excuse me, a manufacturer, you know, bring that to the table. 25-cent savings here and there. Uh, a new program that you have. You always have to be bringing something to to your customer to set yourself apart. If you're not, your competition's going to be in there, and they're going to be bringing something to the table that you may not have. And, you know, building that relationship is always important. But you have to always be bringing new things to your customer.
0: Okay, so we, uh, we uh, had you introduced as corporate director of hospice sales and service which is interesting because that first word is corporate so we you've gone from a small company to a bigger company now to a big company i think you said you guys are the fourth biggest in your industry sector is that correct yeah we're the fourth largest went about 1.5 billion in annual sales yeah that's a lot of diapers <clears throat> thank you for cleaning up the di- the butts of this world. But yeah. let me move on to saying this. Uh, when I went from a small company that I owned and ran, and then we sold it to a group in New York, we all of a sudden went to a corporate environment in which things started slowing down. I would want to respond to my client and I couldn't get the damned contracts out of legal or I couldn't get a report out of finance. So one day we typed out or printed out a big banner and hung it above the finance office and we said, the Office of Sales Prevention. And though when the guy showed up, he was so pissed at me. But it, it started a dialogue within our organization about things within an organization that stop salespeople from being successful. And what's funny is you and I were just walking to lunch, and you were having that kind of conversation. What is what? it within your corporate environment that slows, stops, or eliminates sales? And what have you done about it?
1: Well, I can tell you one thing. Again, we go back to building relationships. Whether it's a, whether it's a customer, potential customer, or within the industry, within the within our within our corporation, you're always building relationships. Now, we are we're always going to hit snags. We're always going to hit roadblocks, and there are always going to be. Some things that come up that we have to, uh, you know, find pie in the sky. Um, so one thing that I've I've really uh, implemented, and it, and it di- I didn't do it in the first three four years of, of working in the industry, and I pissed a lot of people off. I bulldozed, um, and that was not in my best favor. Uh, it didn't work out. Um, people didn't want to do things for me. So in the last ten years or so, I've I've realized that you know you got to make friends with people within. Um, you know, you may think that that person's a jackass. And, and they you know may not be uh, working as hard or as fast as you think they should be, but you have to make friends within 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 the uh, within your company. So when I say that, you know, I deal with contracts, I deal with pricing, I deal with HR, I deal I deal with a lot of aspects within within our company, a lot of different div- divisions. I have go-to people that I go to and I trust. And when I when I, even though I'm a corporate director. When I call them or shoot them an email, they're answering it. And they're going to get to it quickly because they respect me. So respect is huge. You have to have people within your industry respect you.
0: Do you ever have to hold people accountable, even if they don't report to you? But do you ever have to go into somebody and say, look, you blew this for me?
1: Absolutely. And, and you have to be honest. If, somebody, if there is a person that screws something up, you have to be honest. And, and, and sometimes honesty hurts. Look, we're working on this million-dollar deal. You screwed this up. You, you you, are the person that screwed this up, and we need to talk. How are we going to prevent this in the future? Why, why did we screw it up? What can we do?
0: So as the managing partner of my company, you know, people when I tell them to move, they they should move. Okay. So the problem is I, I hear from all the different departments, how they feel about sales. So I don't have the same problems as some of my salespeople do, but here's what I hear them out there thinking. They think all we do is travel on these awesome plane flights, stay in these wonderful hotels, go out to dinner all the time, you know, show up to the office late and leave early and every lunch is fancy and fabulous. They don't really understand that this is an exhausting way of, making a living. So some of the times I feel like there are people that don't understand how hard we work to get somebody ready to say yes. So my strategy is to help them understand what we go through and what it is. What is the life of a salesperson that you might get the phone slammed on you 20 times in a row. And then on the 21st time, somebody says, okay, I would like to visit with you. or okay. Come talk to me. How do you deal with um, helping somebody understand what it is that you're going through as a part of your story?
1: Well, I can tell you one thing. they are always going to have issues between operations and sales. It's just it's the nature of the beast. <clears throat> so operations feels that they're, they're uh, the reason why uh, the company is moving. And me as sales, I'm the reason why we're all making money because I'm bringing the sale in. So uh, what was your question?
0: Well, let me, I'm going to jump. How do you communicate? And I'll, I'll tell a little story. About a year ago, we were, the, the dynamics of our industry were changing so, so quickly, and my operations people didn't want to come along. So what I started doing is bringing my salespeople in an operational meeting every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And so my salespeople would get to tell, they would get, all the operations people would hear the stories of the salespeople of what they're hearing in the marketplace. Because if they find out that we're not the ones asking for it, the market is asking for it, then they're easier or quicker to change. So I, I think communication is very important. We're so good at communicating our value proposition to the marketplace, but are we doing a good job communicating internally what the marketplace is demanding. I don't give a flying shit what we built. If the marketplace doesn't want it, we can't sell it. It doesn't matter what our value proposition is. We get these leaders in corporate America who say, oh, let's build this great value proposition. If the value proposition doesn't match what the market needs and wants, the value proposition is worthless. So, as a as a young salesperson, even I believe it's incumbent upon you to call meetings with the operational people that you need to help you, and communicate them with them early and often. What it is that you're going through in the marketplace, and then ask them to help you resolve that problem.
1: Well, let me just say that you know the, the thing with operations is is as a salesperson, they don't they're not yelled at by the customer. The customer will get up the phone and, and rip me up one side and down the other. So for me, you know, then I shit rolls downhill, right? So then I go and speak to the, speak to operations about the issues that we're having. But communication is huge. We have to communicate what's going on, why we're having issues, what issues we're having. Communicate the, communicate to operations why the customer's upset. We work with end of life care. So to me, if if we're if we're ordering a product and it's going to take ten days, I'm going to say, look, this patient's going to be deceased or dead in the next 10 days. So we need to get our, our ass together and order this product. So it's, it's our job to communicate why we're doing what we're doing, why the customer's upset, and help them understand you know, our goals.
0: One of the things I've been very impressed with you about, Billy, is that you, you operate out of Phoenix when your headquarters is in St. Louis. So you're a remote. What are some of the challenges you deal with with working out of a home office, or working in a, in a remote office where you might not have all the energy of the hallway conversations? Help me a little bit. Help the listener understand how to be successful when they're the one that's remote.
1: Well, I can tell you one thing. I, I work. I, I, I have worked both. Uh, there's challenges to both. Being in the office is challenging. When you, you have Susie coming down the hall and asking you how your kids are doing, and, and did you watch the game last night, and there's a lot of bullshit talk. I, I, you know, that to me is a waste of time. I I would prefer working in home. Um, The challenges at home are the fact that, you know, if you have kids, you you may have kids in the background. Uh, You know, you may have uh, um, whatever variables are are going on in your life. The big thing for me is going to your office. My family knows that when I'm in my office, you're not to go in there. I I can come out of my office and we can have a conversation. Uh I'll grab some lunch, grab a soda, whatever.
0: Well, you know, one of the things I've heard l- lately is somebody that uses a post-it note outside the door that red is absolutely do not come in, green is come on in, you know, and it, but you there's have, those kind of tools. You
1: have to you have to treat your home office as your actual office. It can't be a playground. You can't sit there and start searching the web, uh looking for uh, the next best golf driver Uh, you know, whatever you can't porn, whatever you're into.
0: (laughs) My porn is a golf driver.
1: (laughs) So, so you, you need to, you need to stay focused. And sometimes, you know what? I get a lot more done in in a six hour workday at home than I do in a 10 hour workday in the office. And that's because I'm focused. I can, if I need to go grab a coffee, I'll run to the, run into the kitchen, grab a coffee, come back. But again, you have to set boundaries and set, let your family know you have to set goals for yourself and you have to stick to them.
0: You know, there are some people that have shared workspaces in a big city if they're remote. You know, working out of the coffee shop is not always successful. It's not always the most efficient place to work. I really like, I've got an office set aside upstairs, overlooking the backyard that I go hide out in. But if I didn't have that, I would probably try to find a workspace. Have you ever dealt with trying to find the resources from your corporate uh, giant to help you have a remote place to work successfully?
1: Uh, can you rephrase that question? Yeah.
0: How do you go about telling your, corp- your corporation that you need resources to be more successful when you're working remote?
1: Oh, you just have to ask. I mean, it, your home office has to be an office. So you have to have a fax machine, scanner, uh, obviously Internet access. You have to have all those tools that you're going to have in a regular office. So, you know, if you're, if you're not provided those, uh, those, those pieces, you're not going to be successful. It has to be an actual office, and that's important.
0: Any, what are your last thoughts about sales, about uh, that as a career? There's a lot of people that think sales is a fallback career, but the people that are really good don't perceive it as a fallback career. They really think this is awesome. This is a great way of living. What are any kind of secrets, any kind of thoughts you might have regarding the industry, regarding doesn't matter what you're selling, what's some of the keys to success that we haven't touched on yet?
1: I can tell you one thing. Sales is exhausting. You said it earlier. You know, we're, we're always working. On vacation, I have my phone with me. Yeah, uh, doesn't matter, weekends, weeknights, um, early mornings, your phone is with you because you, you, you're you at that customer's uh, becking call and, and you should be. Um, and if you're not, somebody else will be. So you have, again, you have to set yourself apart from your competition. Uh, always bring something to the table. Listen to your customers. What do they need and what do they want? Bring ideas and, and uh, value proposi- propositions to them that they may not even think they even need or have never even thought of. Uh, so those are, those are important. Um, you know, knowledge of the industry is huge. You have to understand your industry. L- look at the changes. Partner with people. Partnerships are huge. So if you're partnering with, um, uh, with, other, with other vendors, uh, partnering with your customers, uh, I, I see people throw that word partnership around. A true partnership is what's good for you is good for me and what's good for me is good for you. Uh, and, that, and, that's, and that's key.
0: Let's talk a moment about leveraging relationships, which is what you're talking about within partners. One of the things you and I have done really well is leverage. I introduce you to my clients, you introduce me to your clients. We're leveraging. A rising tide lifts all ships. Uh, what are some of the things that you have seen work successfully to leverage relationships and expand your presence or your reach in the marketplace to be more successful?
1: So I, I think, you know, as you and I have partnered together, um, it's, been, it's been successful. It's taken a little bit of time, obviously. But we have, we have found our niche. We have found what our customers want and what they need. We saw something years ago that our customers would want down the road and, and ahead of what they thought they needed. So you have to be ahead of the marketplace, ahead of, ahead of your competition, but understanding that, um, that they, need, uh, they need these things before they think they need it.
0: When you and I partner together to collaborate and leverage our relationships, for me, it's as simple as looking at my budget and saying, yeah, okay, I'll spend that money. But for you, you work for a big organization. You have to sell upstream that people should spend money or the corporation should spend money helping you be successful leveraging relationships with me. Tell me about that upstream selling.
1: So that upstream selling is, is very interesting. I mean, you're, you have to work for a company that trusts you uh, your cust- they have to—they have to understand. You have to bring a, a value proposition to them that they understand. And what value is this going to bring to us, to our company? What are we going to get out of this? Basically, you know, when you're working for a large corporation, it's what's in it for us. Um, so, you know, in, in understanding, you know, in the beginning, I put together a nice presentation for uh, for our board. Uh, presented in front of of them, show them what customers you're working with, what customers our other partners are working with, and the value that that this is going to bring in the future. The cost that we're saving just going to to these conferences together, saving money with that. Uh, The education that we bring to our customers, solidifying the business that we currently have on to that. so those really is, is the communication upstream and, and showing them what value we are going to bring to the company, the industry and what changes we have moving forward.
0: You know you said it in that last phrase. you said it's all about the communication. It's communicating upstream when you've got a need. it's communicating across the corporate lines when you've got you need support. it's communicating downstream when there's a problem and it's communicating with your client. and, and when I say communicating it's really about listening not presenting your value proposition absolutely hey I'd like to say thank you so much Billy for doing this work with us today you know you've been doing how many years have you been doing this 14 and a half years so you know the value to these kinds of podcasts and this kind of content is that all of a sudden in 20 minutes we've taken your 14 years and my that many and a few extras um, and, and said here's our life experience that we're trying to share with people in 24 minutes and I'd like to say thank you very much for that that's really I really appreciate it and I know our listeners
1: You're welcome. Is that good? Yeah, I thought you were gonna say no problem. (laughs) I was I was thinking (laughs) about it, but I was thinking about it, but I figured that would probably not be a good good idea.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, this is Mark Lewandowski thanking you for joining me today. I'm really excited that you're enjoying the content. It means a lot to me. And I want to encourage you to go deeper into this content by visiting my website at marklewandowski.com. On that website, you're going to find more information like blog posts and all of the other topics we've talked about thus far. And while supplies last, I'm going to give you a copy of my book called Rattle Your Cage. It is a bestseller, and it's an idea stimulator. It's designed to help you kickstart your ideas, get more and more out of your day, more and more out of the way you think, And I'm excited about it. So go onto my website, go to the connect section, fill in the information, and I'll send a book to you right away. Again, thank you for being a part of the special things we're doing. Tell your friends and your family members where you're getting this good content. And remember that some is not a number. Soon is not a time. And damn it, luck is not a strategy.